This episode is brought to you by Kensington Books and Breakfast at the Honey Creek Cafe by New York Times bestselling author Jody Thomas. This is the first book in a romantic, heartwarming, contemporary new series set in Honey Creek, Texas, a little town nestled in the rolling hills bordering the Brazos River, where family bonds and legends run deep and friendship and love are always close at hand. Piper Jane McKenzie, mayor of Honey Creek, won't let a major scandal rip her quirky hometown apart or jeopardize her dream of one day running for higher office. So, she's willing to welcome undercover detective Colby McBride, hired to help solve the mystery behind her wannabe fiancé's disappearance. Colby's cover? That he is an old boyfriend now begging Piper for a second chance, always when there are plenty of townsfolk around to witness his shenanigans. Breakfast at the Honey Creek Cafe by Jody Thomas is available at kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the Fairy Boss Mother. Hi, Mer friends. First, a reminder about a new bonus for our email list subscribers. I know a lot of you really enjoyed listening to our mermaid episodes where I wrote original stories inspired by mermaid artwork. I gathered those stories into a little ebook that you can read, and all you have to do is join our email list, and we'll send you a link so you can download a copy to read on your favorite e-reader or phone or tablet. I'll drop a link to our email list in the show notes, and you can also find that link in our show notes at mermaidpodcast.com under the section tail mail. Today's episode is all about the newly opened Mermaid Museum in Aberdeen, Washington, attached to the Westport Winery. The Mermaid Museum is one of those places in the middle of nowhere, a small place of unexpected delight. The mission of the Mermaid Museum is to blend mermaid mythology and ocean ecology education. I was lucky enough to interview Kim Roberts, the founder and visionary of the Mermaid Museum. I had an absolutely marvelous time learning about the exhibits, how the museum was inspired, and how it came together, thanks to the community and a special pod or gossip of mermaids. I hope you enjoy the interview and that, like me, you also cannot wait to visit the museum. Hi, my name is Kim Roberts. I'm the founder of the International Mermaid Museum at Westport Winery Garden Resort out on the Washington coast. Beautiful. Um, I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today. Um, I started getting Google alerts from Mermaid Museum, and I was like, I have to know everything. <laughs> What's happening? Of course. Um, so you just we had your... So, so excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. I saw some pictures online. It looks beautiful. You just had your grand opening. Is that correct? We did. We opened on March 29th, which, of course, is International Mermaid Day. Beautiful. And we are about halfway between Seattle and Portland. So we had members of both pods here, which was just really cool to um, kind of bring some of our Northwest mermaids together. Um, that's awesome. I've definitely heard a lot of good things about the the pods in that area. So it seems like the perfect place. Um, I also was thinking you're kind of near where the uh, TV show Siren was supposed to be set. And I didn't. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we are, and that that um, definitely is something that we included in the museum. And if you remember back in 2012, the Discovery Channel and Animal Planet did a mockumentary called "Mermaids: A Body Found," and that was set in Mo Clips. So we say that we're home of the Mo Clips mermaids, 
because Mo Clips is a little town right here in our county. Oh, that's awesome. So can you tell me a little bit, just kind of describe the museum to, to me and give me an idea of like some of the exhibits? Well, we have 40 exhibits where we are where we match ocean ecology with mermaid mythology. And that's our mission statement is to teach ocean ecology immersed in mermaid mythology, uniting oceanic cultures. So my husband and I used to own the largest scuba diving business in Hawaii, and he was a really um, talented underwater photographer. So I'm able to use all of his images to illustrate what the underwater world is like. He and I both have been boat captains, and we've had this um, amazing fortune, good fortune to be able to spend much of our lives underwater and on the water. We know that that's not something that's available to everybody, either uh, by choice, by location, mm-hmm. by aptitude. And so we wanted to share that experience with three quarters of the earth uh, covered in water that like the last great adventure. And so we come at it for, as a scuba divers and photographers and then um because i always wanted to be a mermaid or a lighthouse keeper one day it all just kind of meshed together for me and that's how we end up with the museum well actually it's a friend of ours fault oh okay (laughs) he sent us his shell collection and you know you get to an age like my age and um your kids don't want your cool stuff Mm -hmm. and he is had been a black coral diver and just an avid diver and his kids didn't want his stuff. So he sent me five boxes of shells and said, do something. (gasps) Wow. That's so, that's so neat. That's a good origin story though. (laughs) It is. And one of those shells was one I hadn't seen before. And it was Merrick's pectin, which is of course uh, known as Venus comb or mermaid's comb. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, so, and also you said something about a lighthouse, and the lighthouse is kind of the marker of the winery, right, and how to find the museum? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If, if you can't figure out when you see the 40-foot lighthouse, you're probably not going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And for us, you know, we, we're we not in wine country. Mm. We're on the Washington coast. So rather than building a Tuscan villa or um, some, you know, chateau, we wanted to really stay true to what our roots are. And we're out here on the Washington coast at the U.S. Coast Guard District uh, 13 colors that we use. And our lighthouse is 40 feet tall, and it's a one-quarter size replica of the Grace Harbor Lighthouse, which is the tallest on the West Coast. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my gosh. There's so many things now. I have so many more questions. Um, well, let me back up a little bit. Okay, so... Um, you said the collection for the museum started with the shell collection. And I love this idea mm-hmm. that you've said where you want to um, blend uh, ocean ecology with mermaid mythology. And I've, I've talked to other mermaids who said, um, who've also shared that kind of mission where mermaids are kind of like an ambassador for the ocean, um, kind of like an entry point to get people to like empathize or to get them interested in the world. So how does that kind of work like in the experience of visiting the museum? How does that work with the exhibits and and how people experience walking through it? Well, I uh, I kind of say the mermaids are the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. <laughs> Great. I think if if we just said this is an ocean ecology museum, I don't think it would have as much enthusiasm as it has had. Mm-hmm. So the mermaids really add a lot of the of the different displays. It, we cover everything from Aphrodite, who, of course, is not really a mermaid, but she does emerge from the foam. And oh. 
and has that uh, origin story as well. And, you know, our beloved Ariel mm-hmm. that all the kids love. But the story we tell with Ariel is that her best friend's name is Flounder. But Flounder's not really a flounder. He's a royal angelfish or a regal angelfish. So we explain that here on the Washington coast, we've got a lot of different flounder. One is a starry flounder. Another is the halibut. The halibut's the largest of the flounder family, and it's illustrated next to a polar bear because a halibut can get where it weighs as much as a polar bear. And then for those that want what we call our deep dive, every display has a deep dive, Mm -hmm. we explain that flounder of all types are born with their eyes on each side of their head but because they're bottom dwelling fish one eye rotates to the other side (sighs) through metamorphosis and then we explain what metamorphosis means so a person can look at our little ariel model because we have mannequins illustrating everybody Mm -hmm. and our and our Little Mermaid collectibles that, you know, the kids can relate to, mm-hmm. and the little stuffed flounder um, from the movie, and then they can go on into saying, oh, well, this is a halibut, and this is where it lives, this is how big it gets, and this is one of the really cool facts about halibut. Oh, that is that is awesome. I think you just taught me more than I learned at, like, my elementary school field trip to the aquarium. <laughs> so, like... Well, and that's a big part of our mission uh-huh. is... Um, I've kind of talked to a lot of the educators here locally, Mm -hmm. and it seems like every age class has their own thing, whether they're going to the Museum of Mm -hmm. Flight or the Children's Theater, except for the third grade doesn't really have a thing. So Mm -hmm. we want to be the place for the third graders to come, and we're developing a curriculum for them. Oh, wow. um, And so that they can become aquanauts. (gasps) And those are our little, um, you know, water explorers. Oh, my gosh. I would have died to go to a mermaid museum and become an aquanaut when I was eight years old. I would have. I would have been like, life path changed. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, oh, wow. And our, our winery and distillery, um, our family is using portion of the proceeds from what we do to fund the museum. And it's free to enter right now. But on May 1st, it will have a massive entry fee of $3. Oh. <laughs> um, and with that money, that's how we plan to fund the curriculum because we want the museum is a nonprofit mm-hmm. and we want it to have that legitimacy where it is self-sustaining. Yeah. The additional component for us, because we're both boat captains, is we feel like there's a lot of kids coming out of school, out of high school, mm-hmm. that maybe they're not really meant for the college track, mm-hmm. but they've they're living in this beach ocean community. And so we want to have a scholarship to help some of these kids go on to captain's school. Mm-hmm. And then they can come back to the harbor here and get really good living wage jobs working on the boats. That's awesome. I think that's that's so wonderful. That's a really great way to like community outreach and showing um, kids like what kind of career paths are available. Like like we just said, we both would I would have definitely been like I can be a mermaid or mermaid adjacent when I grow up. I would have mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, that. Oh, that's awesome. And three dollars. That's great. That's really affordable for a lot of people. It's a easy way to get acquainted with the museum and everything that you have to offer. So that sounds that sounds well worth a trip. <laughs> there we we want it to be affordable and you know once you get here to our property we have 15 acres of display gardens but 
with the museum, it has its own tasting room and gift shop. It has a small theater area. And then we have an art gallery area where we've invited local artists to display um, our theme on this one is, of course, mermaid art. But there's probably a limit of how much mermaid art people want. Uh So depending on the season, we'll be changing that display up quarterly. And if it's our bird watching season here, maybe it'll be on shorebirds. If it's our whale watching season, it'll be on whales. Again, focusing on the really diverse ecology here that we have in our community. And we, as a museum, don't take any proceeds from the sale of this art. It's just a way for us to support our um, local artists. Another part of how we do that is we commissioned, um, I really wanted a mermaid tank. Mm. really, really, really wanted Mm -hmm. it, but I didn't Mm -hmm. have the money Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the technology. So I have a friend that's a stonemason and he built us a beautiful mermaid throne for visiting mermaids. We have a... We have a loner tail so that our guests can throw on a tail and be on the mermaid throne. <gasps> Another one of my friends is an amazing metal artist, and we were fortunate enough to get a grant from Grace Harbor Tourism. Okay. And they helped us fund a 13-foot roadside mermaid made entirely of recycled material. So if you can just imagine, her spine is made of a clarinet. Oh, my gosh. And she's spectacular. And then where she rises um, from the earth plane, uh-huh. my friend that's a stonemason, we used all recycled material again to make a plaza. And that is where we also have our brick fundraiser. It's common, I think, for a lot of nonprofits mm-hmm. to do this fundraiser. Yep. Mm-hmm. People can go to Bricks R Us and look at the Mermaid Museum, and they can purchase a brick or a block or a bench. And that gets gets placed in this plaza. And one of my board members, this is the most amazing thing, um, she's an architect, as am I, and she agreed to do sculptures for the columns as you enter. We wanted something really, um, you know, kind of Greek-looking. And so she uh, sculpted from clay a mermaid and then hauled it up to Seattle, and they scanned it. 70 scans, 12 million data points per scan. (gasps) Then we sent that data file to Houston Uh where it was made um, in a 3D printer in that like building block. (gasps) And so we have these 12 foot tall mermaids at the entrance and they just, they take your breath away. They're so amazing. I think I saw a photo of that. They're gorgeous. They just think they're so majestic and large and inspiring. Exactly, exactly. So it's been a really cool community effort. I had um, three of my friends help me set up the displays. And when we put the stuff that had been donated to us in the center of the floor, it looked like a really bad garage sale. And two of the girls told me the other day, they said, we got in the car after we left. And we thought, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> this is oh, going to no. be horrible. And, but I had a vision, and, yeah. and we stuck with it, and we, we created this beautiful space. And one of the amazing things to us is we'd be in there working. We put, I started building the building six months ago, mm-hmm. and it took us about three weeks to do the displays. And we'd be in there and say, gosh, you know what we need? And someone would just knock on the door and say, hey, do you guys need this? And just time and time again, whatever it was we needed, it appeared. And wow. to me, that just, 
you know, kind of validated that we're on the right track. That feels um, very like mermaid magical that like treasures would appear whenever you needed them. Like it sounds like some sort of mythic journey through mm-hmm. the ocean. It also sounds like um, you mentioned that, that there are a lot of pods nearby, but you kind of had like a mermaid pod in the, of community members who were who have all been contributing and helping and and showing up when you needed them. Well, that's my board of directors. Oh, and wonderful. I picked 10 women that I didn't know very well, but I wanted to know better, mm-hmm. that are leaders in our community and asked them to be on my board. We, because we're not, um, most of my board aren't swimming mermaids, they're not divers, mm-hmm. uh, we call ourselves a gossip. It's okay. a gossip of mermaids. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, that sounds like a really fun crowd to hang out with, actually. A gossip of mermaids. <laughs> they, they're amazing. You yeah. know, from county commissioners to city council women um, to engineers and county planners, just just people that I thought, I'd like to know this person better, but I don't, I'm not in their same social circle. And so I kind of asked them and we became our own little circle. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and you said that the exhibits and the collection started with uh, the donation of a shell collection. But how did you acquire mm-hmm. some of the other things in the museum? I heard there was a helmet, um, a dive helmet from World War II in Pearl Harbor. Like, how, how did different things yeah, like that come that's, together? That's one of my favorite things is um, I uh, practiced yoga oh. and a gal that uh, we were both yoga teachers together. When I was doing this, she said, you know... My husband's dad was a diver at Pearl Harbor. We have his helmet. It's been sitting in the garage for 65 years. Do you want it? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Every time I touch that helmet, it gives me goosebumps because of the stories it has to tell. And there was a a book written about these divers that was called um, Descent into Darkness Mm -hmm. that went to Pearl Harbor and did the recovery work. And so it's it's probably my most sentimental piece. Um, additionally, we we ran into somebody in I don't know where sent me a video of the of a it's a carving, mm-hmm. and it probably weighs about three hundred pounds, but it is the top of a carousel. So it's mm-hmm. not a carousel horse. It's the top of a carousel, and it's a mermaid. The thing that's interesting is it was carved in France right before Napoleon invaded Egypt. And when the French went to Egypt, they took some of their fine things as a means of being like, hey, this is great, right? And I don't think the Egyptians really appreciated that (laughs) because nobody wants to be invaded. Probably not. (laughs) This was off of that carousel, and it somehow made its way across the Atlantic. We found it at an auction in Texas, bought it over a video purchase, And um, it's one of the other pieces that, you know, you think about here, there was, there was a carver 300 years ago. Uh Did that person ever conceive that this piece of art that's a mermaid would be in a museum 300 years later where people are still admiring his work? Wow. Wow, that is so neat. Um, I got chills, too, when you're talking about the dive helmet from uh, Pearl Harbor. Um, I was born and raised in Hawaii, and my grandfather was um, one of the survivors of Pearl Harbor. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he's no longer with us. But um, when you when you were talking about that, I was just thinking of the Hawaii connection wow. and, and the, the dive helmet, all, all the stories that he would tell, too, about that time. So um, it's... I, 
what I'm loving about hearing you talk about is that mermaid mythology is such um, an oral history and there's only little bits of either fragments of mythology or literal artifacts, you know, that come Mm -hmm. largely from like the ocean or maybe from imagination. Um, But every, but they all have a story behind them, a story of who created the art or the story of, um, you know, how they interacted with the ocean. And, and then it's also up to the viewer to like kind of, take on whatever they know of the object or the story and keep that alive. And yeah. that, that feels like such a mermaid tradition to be honoring in the way that you're displaying things in the museum. That just that just sounds so cool to me. One of the things that a lot of people are surprised about is that a lot of the mermaid stories are dark. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think they were developed out of um, cautionary tales mm-hmm. and answers answers to things that people didn't understand. Mm -hmm. But one of our cool donations, this guy gave us like 20 mannequins. He was a mannequin collector. Oh! Which sounds (laughs) really different. Yeah. And one of them arrived without fingers. And so we found Mermaid Sedna from the Alaskan um, mermaid story. You know, Mm -hmm. she was crossing the bay with her father in her boat. And the waters got rough, and so the father threw her overboard. When she tried to climb back up, he chopped her fingers off. Mm -hmm. Her fingers then became the creatures of the sea. And so we have this mermaid mannequin, and of course her fingers are missing, and that's our Sedna display. (gasps) And we we go on there into talking about um, the fishery of of some of the creatures of the sea, because we not only as ocean ecology beautiful Mm -hmm. and important but some are really great sustainable resources Mm -hmm. and we talk about wild caught food versus farmed food from the ocean Mm -hmm. and so it's a really nice opportunity to give people insights into what happens underwater whether it's part of industry or part of recreation yeah oh that's a great segue too to go from like a legend into the science um of the ecology Mm -hmm. and everything oh that's awesome i would also love to hear just a little bit about your own like deep sea diving experience because like i i've taken some like mermaiding lessons and i grew up you know in the water but like i've never been a a good diver um and so i would Mm -hmm. just love to hear about like your experience of of being like in the ocean and going so deep and like you know, how any of that has affected you and, and played into this, this mermaid museum? Well, um, my husband owned Lahaina Divers on Maui. And like you, my kids were born on Maui. Okay. And so he was there in the islands for 21 years. And I was with him for five years there before we moved back to the mainland. We were both boat captains and um, he was a dive instructor and I was a dive master. So we, um, took people diving as a tour and most people you know dive uh, between 30 to 60 or 70 feet Mm -hmm. and that's really a great um, a great way to explore Hawaii Mm -hmm. I got certified here in Washington state and so when I first dove in Hawaii it was like swimming in technicolor by everywhere and you know it could hardly you know breathe because mm-hmm. it was so exciting to see all this stuff uh-huh. um but yeah that that's and i just naturally um i didn't know but i kick like a mermaid that's yeah. how i swim yeah <gasps> and oh. so that's that's our deal now one of the things again that 
there were people in Lahaina Harbor mm-hmm. that dove for black coral as mm-hmm. a living. Mm-hmm. And there was a documentary made about them a few years ago. And so in our theater, we play the black coral movie. And these are the guys that they did the really deep, scary mm-hmm. dives. Mm-hmm. And they were adrenaline junkies. And that that's not who we were. And okay. so I don't have those. I mean, I've, I've been down about 125 feet, mm-hmm. but I, that's it. Okay. When you get down that deep, it's what's called a rapture of the deep mm-hmm. or the martini effect because the nitrogen makes you feel like you're drunk and your judgment's really impaired. Oh, wow. Oh, I wanted to ask you, like, while you were diving, you were talking about the rapture of the deep, and I've had the experience of being um, in the water and wanting to go deeper, you know, and suddenly feeling like I mm-hmm. understand what the, where the siren mythology comes from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, mm-hmm. I wonder if you, yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, I could yeah. go deeper. I don't need to go back up. <laughs> like, yeah. You yeah. have to be so respectful mm-hmm. of the ocean. And that was one of the things that the Seattle pod brought to the museum is they wanted a, a display that talked about, so you want to be a mermaid. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's, information about copyrights on tail design here's information on monofins and here's information about never go alone mm-hmm. and the the ocean she's a uh, she's tough she'll take you if she can mm-hmm. and it's always important to have really good safety not let judgment um go away when you're with the ocean because mm-hmm. That's how mermaid myths began. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were you were saying something about how people don't really believe some of our more modern tales are so friendly and fun, um, you know. And there's like Ariel and also mm-hmm. just like pods and modern like mermaiding as a hobby or a sport. And is, Madison, and Madison, but one of my favorites. That's yeah. why I, that's why I moved to New York. <laughs> like yeah, well, we have we have a Madison. You do. Oh. And, and the, the ocean ecology that goes with that is wreck diving. Oh! And when we were in Hawaii, and uh, my husband had worked with a production company filming both Heart to Heart and Charlie's Angels, mm. and had put down wreck dives and been a stunt double on those two television mm. shows. So we're able to, you know, tie that Madison story in because they filmed on a wreck dive, and my husband and I actually dove um, that dive site on our honeymoon because I was just so very interested in in diving where that movie had been filmed. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so cool. Um, is there any exhibit that surprised you? Like you would never thought it like it would be a treasure that you would have to keep or, um, you know, maybe inspired differently. Is there, is, is there any exhibit that, it, that surprises, that surprised you when it came together? Yeah, I think the idea that um, mermaids influences extend beyond entertainment but Mm -hmm. into culture Mm -hmm. so there's a hawaiian mermaid that has a hula written about her kanakanaka and so one of our displays it's not a mermaid it's a hula dancer and that one is right next to a display on mermaid fashion and so we talk about from the gown that wallace simpson wore to a pair of mermaid converse that were donated to the museum so um mermaid culture just goes so far beyond just you know movies and television it's just really immersed in our entire culture 
Yeah, I've noticed that when you start looking for mermaids, you realize that they pop up in every aspect. They're in music, they're in fashion, they're in art, they're in history, um, they're in science and ecology. Um, and uh, when you start looking for it, it is really, really neat to realize um, how much they're in the collective human imagination. That's mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite mm -hmm. parts. Um, oh, that's and it's been cool for us to think. I mean, we 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 hoped that kids would like our museum, mm -hmm. and we knew women would like our museum, but mm -hmm. um, all ages and men are really enjoying it. They're like, wow, there's a lot of content there. There's a lot of information yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. And so it's not, we, we tried very hard not to make it a sideshow mm -hmm. that this, this is a museum that's educational and it's fun, mm -hmm. but it's, um, and you know, we do mention the PT Barnum Fiji mermaid mm -hmm. in our displays. And, and that's an important part of history but that's not the type of museum this is. Mm -hmm. I understand it's really like a respectful kind of tribute to the different mythologies and, and um, histories and the intertwining of like culture and human history mm -hmm. and, and mermaidology. No, I love that. That feels... And, and I feel like we've, we've just scratched the surface, you know. I bet. <laughs> every, time, every time I look, like a friend of mine gave me a turtle carapace um, that she made into a dream catcher. She's mm -hmm. a friend of mine that's um, a tribal friend. And she'd taught, been taught how to make this by an Ojibwe elder. Mm -hmm. And so then I looked into Ojibwe history, and sure enough, there was a mermaid. And so I'm able then to take this, this turtle carapace, it's a dream catcher from a tribal friend, and, you know, these stories just come together. Yeah. And that mermaids, they're not just oceanic, mm. they're also from um, lake environments. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's interesting, too, because I think people don't realize that, but a lot of the legends that I've heard from different places, some of them are more freshwater-based versus ocean-based. So mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. to see, depending on the environment, like what the local stories are. That's that's a cool, like, I mean, water is everywhere, right? <laughs> like, right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. Um, I did want to ask you, um, you've just opened, but like, do you have a little bit of like a dream for the museum? Like in the next, you know, five, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years out, like what, what do you hope the role of the museum is? That's a really good question. Um, when I decided to do this, I thought, well, maybe I can get about 40 people a day to visit, mm -hmm. and that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. And we're getting about 400 visitors a day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Obviously, there's um, interest, and we're already seeing people that have come multiple times. They mm -hmm. just said there's just too much to take in. Mm -hmm. It's not a large space, mm -hmm. um, but we try to really... Um, use a lot of theatrical type lighting, costuming, mm -hmm. and sound in order to make you feel as you walk in the front door, you've gone underwater. Mm -hmm. um, my hope is that we have a sustainable curriculum for kids, that we have the ability to provide scholarship for those that are starting their careers. Mm -hmm. I hope the museum will last past my days, mm -hmm. but if it doesn't, that's okay too, you know. Yeah. Um, I love going to the beach and collecting agates, but I know these are just gifts from the sea. Mm -hmm. And so they're not mine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the museum, it's not really mine. Mm -hmm. So if it lasts, it lasts. 
when it doesn't, that's okay too. Something you said about um, the kids made me think of how the way that like friends have given you something and it sparked you to look into a legend or find a connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you kind of, I'm, I'm a writer and a creative and I, I am always amazed where I'd never know where ideas are going to come from or what I might say to someone that would spark something. And I'm just thinking that even if the museum doesn't um, outlast you, the, these little seeds of, of mermaid lore that you're, planting um you you don't know like they could go anywhere like anything could happen like somebody could be a captain somebody could take something from that and do something else with your life and and that just made me think like um like what a what a beautiful legacy uh and you won't you know you'll you'll never know exactly where it went but but you've made a play you've made something and it it is kind of my legacy project i um am currently in remission from cancer and so it really was something that I thought about a lot. Yeah. Of, uh, what What can I leave? What What do I want to leave? Yeah. Oh and wow. That's why I did it. Oh wow. Um. Oh gosh, that's so powerful. I got a little tearful and goosebumps again. I was like, yes, I see what you're leaving. I see like what what you created and and uh, what a what a like beautiful opportunity to come to come out of that to to make something that's brought people together that shares like the things that you're passionate and that you care about and that has like a um a positive impact on people's experience with the ocean and with ecology and um and like with the common interest of mermaids like what an accomplishment i I like this i think it's just it's just so beautiful hearing you talk about that well, you're going to need to come and visit. I'm, I'm going to. I have cousins in the area, and they already, I'm like, well, as soon Perfect. as I can travel, I'm going to come visit. <laughs> um, so, so in beach communities, mm-hmm. a lot of times activities are super seasonal, mm-hmm. and we are not exempt from that in our community. Mm-hmm. But one of my family's commitments when we moved back here was that we would be open every day, mm-hmm. that you're not going to come up and see a sign that says back in five minutes or back in five days. Yeah. So in the, in the, uh, wintry Washington weather, Mm -hmm. we're open and in the beautiful summertime weather, we're open and the museum, uh, follows along with that. So our, our muse, the museum, the winery, the distillery and our restaurant are all open daily, 11 to six with the exception is we splurge and take off Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> and so, I know, right? Yeah. Like, how, how crazy living yeah, is that? Wild. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, that's so that we're available. So mm-hmm. people can really stop by anytime. And um, I think a lot of times for us, the word winery seems to make some people think, oh, I don't want to go there. Maybe it's too fancy or maybe it's just mm-hmm. too grown up. And we're definitely a very coastal, casual, mm-hmm. family-friendly place. I was just going to say, like, it sounds like a wonderful idea on, like, a wintry Washington day to go have a little wine and a little mermaid experience. Mm-hmm. Sounds, like, delightfully mm-hmm. cozy. <laughs> like, uh, I think – I still think I'd like to have a tank. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to have a place for um, – uh, professional mermaids to come and mm-hmm. and swim. I think that there's um, that's a, a challenging thing, mm-hmm. but until we do, we have the mermaid throne and that's open and available to everybody. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I have a feeling you'll get a tank, and the way that you've said things have come together, I feel like one is on its way to you. <laughs> you just don't know it yet. I kind of feel that way too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it seems like it'll work out, but it just seems like well, eventually it's just going to arrive. <laughs> 
I agree. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit scary. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, well, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you one more question that I usually ask people, but um, it, it's a two-part question. And you can answer either part. Um, either I wanted to know if what mermaids mean to you or if there's anything you want to make sure that people know about mermaids that maybe they don't. I think right now in our world, um, mermaids can be a really unifying element. I'm, um, I'm just anxious that we all be gracious to mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. and respectful. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, mermaids, of course, they could turn on you and, and create a cautionary tale. But I like to think that we can all look at mermaid mythology and realize as we've um, evolved and, and passed through the eon mm-hmm. that we all come from a similar place. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I'd like it to be, that we we are united. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be um, against each other. We could just try to be graceful. Well, it sounds like by creating a museum that brings people together, you've kind of created the exact perfect way for that to happen. So um, good job. Every every person, and I know mermaids are awesome, but every person has to make that decision themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we all get those choices. Yeah. It's a a big picture thing. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, Would you mind telling people how to find you, your website, and everything they need to know? Because they're going to listen to this interview and then want to immediately get in the car and go to the museum. So how do they, what do they do? Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have a website at www.mermaidmuseum.org. And the museum is located on the Washington coast, actually nine miles from the coast halfway between the little towns of Aberdeen and Westport. So we're about two hours west of Seattle, three hours west of Portland. It's a really beautiful community. We have amazing people, amazing food, um, activities, and scenery. Around here, the saying is, when the tide goes out, we set the table. <laughs> and, That's um, wonderful. Okay, great. Uh-huh. So, and it is, um, you know, we are near where the siren uh the siren uh, imaginary town is located mm-hmm. and of course the home of the Mo Clips mermaid. We're just south of um, Forks, Washington as well, the home of the twilight. Oh, well, you've um, covered all saga. my interests in just one sentence. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. <laughs> and so um, a lot of people are just touring the area. We, uh, the real fishing community here, our people make their living on the sea and so it just, the whole thing works. It makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. I'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can um, find you. Um, and thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, this is really lovely to hear. Well, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity, and I hope we can get to talk again in the future. Anytime, um, I've got lots of stories and I'm sure as the Mermaid Museum continues on, we're going to be meeting some fascinating people here. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can't wait to visit. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. Reviews are really important because they help other mermaid lovers find us. The easiest way to leave a review is right in the app that you are using to listen to this episode or leave a review on our Facebook page. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, the best thing to do is sign up for our email list. 
We only send you emails that you like about new episodes and you will get exclusive behind the scenes content that you won't see anywhere else. Join the email list by dropping your email address into the signup form, which you can find in any of the episode show notes at mermaidpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast, and we always love to see you on social media. Again, we'll have links to all of the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, mermaidpodcast.com. Our jingle was recorded by Tori Scott, the world-famous cabaret singer. You can find Tori at itstoriescott.com, and the Mermaid Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts that you'll love at frolic.media podcasts. Thank you for listening and remember, don't quit your daydream. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.